Zachary Allen. Welcome to In the Pews. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Rudy. I mean, well, thank you for having us here at Cathedral High School. Yeah. So it's like you're welcoming us, we're welcoming you, <laughs> and you're the president the here. President, yeah. Okay, the president, yeah. Not the principal, the but the president. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So we operate on the president principal model. How does that work? Yeah, it's a great question and a pretty common one. Um, so in private schools, a lot of times, maybe within the last 15 years, you'll see this uh, breakdown of principal president model. Okay. And uh, where really you can break out the duties. Um, so in a private school, you have to run the business side of the school where you fundraise and mm. you think about, um, you know, hiring as far as the business side of uh, uh, operations. And uh -huh. then the principal really has their hands full with internal curriculum, students, families working with the day-to-day. -day. Um, and a big part of uh, Catholic education is looking out from the school to let other people know what you're doing so that they can then want to come in. And so to separate those duties is really helpful. Mm, so um, what you do is kind of like at the district level for a, a correct, public school. Yeah, so in a public school, yeah. you know, the school has a principal. Yeah. But the business office is located in usually the, somewhere else. They might have an accountant at yeah. their campus, but it wouldn't be all of the business dealings yeah. okay so that's your part you're you're like the more on an ex executive type style or that's right and, and it's yeah. really a, a close partnership um I, I would say any school that has this model that wants to be successful they both have to work very close together because what's happening internally has to be properly communicated externally mm -hmm. so people know what they're getting when they come um so the president the principal have to be in communication we're fortunate here because uh, our pastor uh, father huff is also very involved so yeah, we got a great team. We we interviewed his uh, father. Yeah, yeah, I saw that yeah. <laughs> um, so. a while back. Yeah, we've been trying to get Father Huff, but he's, I understand, he's just so busy. He is, yeah, he's very busy. Yeah. So. Now, I understand you did not grow up Catholic. No, I did not. I, uh, I actually grew up um, in East Texas in Lufkin, about two hours north of Houston. Um, I grew up, you know, on paper Methodist. <laughs> on paper? <laughs> on paper, yeah. So, we, uh, when I was younger, we did go to church pretty frequently. Um, but as I got older, we, you know, drifted away. We didn't attend that often, mainly because athletics really took over. Mm. Um, I, I played a lot of baseball. Um, so we, as we started doing tournaments and things like that on the weekend, there was no time for church. Um, so and, it kind of took a back seat. Yeah. Cause if we athletics. were traveling or even if we were in town, we had games Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the Methodist church that we were attending, they did have church services, kind of a few on Sunday morning. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, when we traveled, well, our church wasn't there. Yeah. You know, so we didn't go. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, how I grew up. Yeah. So all throughout, uh, um, you know, high school, you played sports? Yeah. So athletics was a huge uh, part of my life. I loved basketball, loved baseball. I love the comp the competition, you know. I love the challenge. I liked. Uh, I also liked being successful. I think, you know, my uh, my dad was really into athletics, and so we spent tons of time together. But then I would spend hours, you know, just outside shooting baskets or playing. You know, and uh, we were fortunate had a large backyard, which uh, in East Texas isn't that random. You know? uh -huh. um, but we had this thing called a pitch back. So I could throw into it and it'd oh. bounce balls, you know, oh, so you could feel yeah. grounders all day, you know, if you oh, wanted nice. to. Um, so I would do that for hours, you know, depending on what time of the year it was, was what sport I was doing. You what know? positions did you play? Um, so growing up, I was real small. So I played second uh, pretty much all the way through, you know, from, uh, I guess I played, you know, 
uh, different in t-ball, but you know, basically from pitching machine on up, I played second base, uh-huh. and then in high school I moved over short and uh, and then started pitching as well. So pitching, yeah. Uh-huh. And then actually uh, in college I played third for the first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> in college, yeah. So I I, uh, I played at SFA, um, but I, I really got a good experience there of not I didn't play a ton. I redshirted and then I sat behind a guy that ended up going and playing on the Royals for oh, a while. Wow. So, um, it was a really humbling experience. You kind of go through your whole life feeling really good uh-huh. at something and you get, you know, you get to college and you're like, everybody's good, you know? So and they're there. Yeah. You yeah. were like, probably felt like you were one of the stars of the team. And then, yeah, well, and you know, growing up you can be. And then, uh, you know, for me, at least when I got to SFA, I was like, everybody here is good. You know, I could, I could complain for more playing time, but uh-huh. For what? You know, I mean, everybody's the same level or slightly better at this or slightly better at that. But um, yeah, it was a good experience. Um, Were you on an athletic scholarship or? No, no, I uh, I didn't get a scholarship, just walked on, uh-huh. um, redshirted, spent a few years playing. Mm. Uh, really enjoyed that experience uh, because it was the first time that I'd done something that I wasn't actually like rewarded for mm. in a way. Like, uh, I mean, I put in a lot of work, a lot of time. Um and didn't get the playing time, you know? So it was a really good uh, experience at the end. Yeah, because you, you know? you're just bettering yourself. Yeah, it's like to, to stay committed to it and not actually get the thing you want. You mm. know, that's the first time I'd ever experienced that. <laughs> so that was baseball. So, that you was said baseball. Ba- you said basketball as well? Yeah, so growing up, I loved basketball. Um, like I said, I mean, I spent hours, you know, playing out in the driveway, dribbling. I remember on rainy days, I'd get my mom to back out of the garage so I could dribble. You know, mm-hmm. I just wanted to be outside. Your um, point guard? Point guard, yeah, shooting guard. Like I said, I was small, so I had to kind of be out front. How tall are um, you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm about 5'10". Okay, you know, now, so, so I'm still height, not tall, yeah. you know, but growing up, in eighth grade, I was 5'0". <laughs> um, and I remember that because we had a, an algebra project that uh-huh. was uh, a, to scale, and I was 5' foot even, so it was very easy. <laughs> we didn't have to calculate, you know, the inches or anything, so... Uh-huh. You and I think we're about the same height at that age, yeah. And then, yeah, then you so hit the small. growth spurt. Yeah. yeah, I think I grew, you know, after freshman year of high school, I kind of grew a few inches and kind of eked on up to 5'10". So. so what was your first introduction to Catholicism? Yeah, so so like I said, I grew up uh, Methodist. Um, I think me, my older brother, my younger brother all baptized at the same time. Uh, uh-huh. So my younger brother's probably about two. I was maybe like six. My older brother's about 11. After that... I don't remember us being super active at church. Uh-huh. Um, so pretty much Christmas and Easter's weddings and yeah. funerals. Now in sixth grade, uh, I was confirmed in the Methodist church. And so that year, I think we were very active. You know, mm. I, had to get, I had to be going to classes and learning. All the requirements, yeah. Yeah, we, we uh, you know, we did what we needed to do. And um, and I, I did learn, you know, a lot that year. But then after that, it kind of went right back to not being that participatory. Um, but I always, you know, I would have always described myself as a Christian, mm-hmm. um, although that had no bearing on my life. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, it didn't like direct if, your life or drive yeah, you like, or anything. And so that's like kind that. of the way I look back. Is like you know my family would have always said we were Christian, but I don't remember us basing decisions on our faith. And mm-hmm. so I think you know now, um, of course, the way we're trying to raise our family now is that we really try to base everything around the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can just look back and see like that's an area of growth, you know, that I've experienced now. Um, but yeah, so kind of through high school, um, I knew friends were very into church. They would go to youth groups and things like that. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, you know, I, I mean, I we just wasn't that involved. 
um, youth groups were kind of strange to me. Uh, I thought because I would go and then like the youth minister would come over like, hey, you're new, you know, how's it going? <laughs> and I was like, you're not used to that. I'm fine. Yeah, just you somebody know? being <laughs> so welcoming and in your face. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and you know, and, and it was like, at the time, I didn't know anything about denominations. So uh-huh. I probably went to a few different Baptist youth groups uh, with different friends. I don't think I ever actually went to the Methodist youth group, you know, at the church that we were kind of uh, attending from time to time. Mm-hmm. But um, I just wasn't that involved, you know. Um, and like I said, I thought people that were that talked about their faith all the time were kind of weird. That's mm-hmm. the way I felt, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reason I felt like that is because it felt like a show. It felt mm-hmm. very much like, uh, so we're going to go to youth group. Everybody's going to talk about Jesus mm-hmm. a lot and be really friendly. Uh-huh. And then we're going to go back to school and y'all are going to act the same. Uh, you know, the same that you did yesterday. And yeah. so I think I'd prefer not to be involved because I didn't have that that annoyance, you know. Um, and so I remember back in like elementary school, I had really strong, I would say a prayer life, like uh not developed, I didn't know what I was doing, right? But I would lay in bed and I would talk to God in my mind really deep and I felt very much like he was listening. Um, I lost that as I got older. I just stopped doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, probably because there was no practice along with it and I wasn't thinking about him throughout most days. Um, but I remember that. It's like he, he's always been a, a strong part of my life when I was open, you know? Um, so yeah, I remember that through high school. Uh, but you asked about my introduction to Catholicism. So I kind uh-huh. of back bounced around a little bit. Um, so my wife, um, we started dating. We were 17. So we started dating in high school. Did she grow up Catholic? She did. Yeah, she was born Catholic. Um, and we had actually, my sophomore year of high school, we had gone, my little brother at that point was going through confirmation at the Methodist church. Uh-huh. So we were involved again. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so we were part of his confirmation class which I thought was neat they actually went to several different churches around town okay. to experience their Sunday uh, services Okay. so they went to a Baptist church of course they had the Methodist church they went to a Catholic mass mm. and then they went to um, an African American church in town that had uh, their own services well I don't remember if it was Baptist or, or mm-hmm. Methodist but they got to try all of you know different services different congregations uh-huh. kind of see different traditions yeah. which I thought was really interesting um, yeah it is but one of those right was at the we have two Catholic churches in, in uh, Lufkin and so one of them was at St. Patrick's and so my wife uh, was there uh-huh. um, and so we knew each other from school and so we saw each other you know we weren't dating at that point um, but then the next day at school she was like Hey, are you Catholic? She asked, you know, uh-huh. and I was like, no way. Like, <laughs> did I even know what that really meant? No. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I was, I was a little like hesitant to be labeled as anything, you know, and I didn't know mm-hmm. anything about Catholicism. I didn't know anything about denominations even. You I didn't were know just vaguely difference. Christian. Yeah, just Christian. Uh-huh. You know, that's the term I would have um, associated with, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but I still remember that because that was my first introduction, right? And then we started dating our junior year. And we had been dating just a couple weeks and I we were sitting out and she she played softball and she ran cross country and stuff. And so we were in the batting cages after school, you know, hanging out, hitting. And uh, then we started talking and I was like, you know, one of the things that's most interesting to me about you is that out of all these people that we know, a lot of them talk about God. You know, mm-hmm. they go to a youth group or whatever, but they don't seem to believe it because their life doesn't reflect it at all, mm. you know? I was like, but it feels like you actually believe God is real. Like he's not just an idea or mm-hmm. he's not just uh, 
you should say you're Christian because you're a good person, right? So you're supposed to say that. Uh huh. Um, it felt different with her, and so that was that was my introduction. Um, and then of course we dated for years. We dated for six years before we eventually got engaged after college. And so I actually attended mass with her family probably my junior year of college. Okay. Early, early in that year. And um, so it'd been a while that you were dating before. Yeah, we had been dating a while, but. Um, you know, at that point, my family kind of started going to this non-denominational church, and I attended. Um, my dad passed away actually my freshman year of college, so I graduated. Uh, I graduated high school, and then he passed away in that freshman fall mm. semester, and so uh, kind of a lot of transition happened over the next several years, and uh, we had started going to this non-denominational church where the music director from the Methodist church had started. Uh, kind of his own congregation okay at the uh, request of some of the parishioners or uh, of the members of the methodist church and so we had been attending he gave great sermons you know he's a he's very intelligent uh, uh-huh. and i liked listening to him uh-huh. so it's probably the first time um since i was little that i was interested in going because he gave a lot of history he talked a lot mm. about um you know actually his sermons are similar father huff gives very good uh homilies where he ties in history and things like that so it's similar um but I remember actually as a young kid, I uh, we had multiple services at the Methodist Church, but the eight a.m. was the uh, was the what they called traditional service. Okay, and it was mainly all elderly people, but okay. they sang hymns, and it was very traditional. Uh-huh. And I preferred that. Right? At ten a.m., they had a even con- as a young person. Yeah, they had a contemporary service at ten a.m. Uh-huh. And I just felt uncomfortable. Like, I don't know what it was, like, because they were playing the more like uh, the radio Christian songs, which yeah. I like. I uh-huh. like uh, that kind of music. But at the same time, there's something inside of me. I was like, I just don't know if that's like worshiping. You know, it, it felt a little bit too. Uh, and I mean, of course, it was different because it was in the gym, you know, and people were drinking coffee and hanging uh-huh. out. And it just didn't feel serious enough. And okay. I, even as a young kid, I think I was like, if we're going to go to worship God, it seems like it should feel different. Uh huh. And so. I'll jump ahead now uh, to my junior year of college when I went to mass with her for the first time at St. Andrews. So uh-huh. there's two Catholic churches in Lufkin, St. Patrick's and St. Andrews. And so at this point we went to St. Andrews, which was a 10 building at that moment. You know, they hadn't built their their full church mm. yet. And um, I walked in, and I guess I walked through what I didn't know was called the narthex mm-hmm. at the front. And we got into the, into the parish and I was like, something feel, it felt different. You know, and I... Uh, I didn't tell her anything at the moment, but I was like, I was internalizing something is different, you know? Um, and now later looking back, I think what it is, is as I walked in, you know, people were knelt down, they were praying. And of course I didn't realize it, but Jesus was there, you mm. know, in the tabernacle. Yes. And so the difference I think was just the the presence, right? And the, and the, the fact that people were reverencing that presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't like we were hanging out until the sermon started. You know, uh, we were actually, yeah. we were actually getting ready to worship. I didn't know that at the time, you know, uh-huh. but, uh, so that was my first experience and I, I was interested. Yeah. So I would attend mass infrequently, uh, with her for the next several years through college. And then, you know, kind of following college, um, I started teaching uh, for the first time, got my first job, uh, actually teaching at the same school where we had graduated uh, high school from. What did you teach? And so I taught uh, biology. I taught in- integrated physics and chemistry, which is just an entry-level uh, freshman physics and chemistry course. Um, over the next five years, I taught a combination of things, uh, environmental systems, some other sciences. But uh, my first year of teaching, um, right in that summer before we started, we were coming out of mass, right? I had gone to mass with uh, 
with my wife and her family. Of course, she was my girlfriend at the time. Um, but we came out and they were having a sign-up table at RCA. Uh, so there's a, an older lady sitting at the table, a sheet of paper. You know, we're taking uh, sign-ups for RCA. At this point, were you kind of ta- thinking about getting married eventually? So I was thinking, I was wanting to get married, right? Uh, so I was wanting to get married and, and my wife's faith is very important to her. Uh-huh. And I just knew that it was important to her to marry uh, someone that was Catholic, that shared the faith, that, uh, that you know, uh, wanted to grow with her and that. Did her family ever say anything to you? Like No, they never did. Uh, they never explicitly said anything. And she didn't either. You know, mm-hmm. she never explicitly said that. I just knew, you know, it was, it was so important to her as like, yeah, I felt like for us to get married, I would need to share that for it to, you know, not, yeah. that's not true for everyone, but for me, that's the way I felt. And I think she shared that as well. Um, and so she actually turned, right? We were coming out of mass and she turned and she's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to sign up. But she said, she's like, you don't have to sign up. I'm just going to help. And I was like, I didn't know what it was, you know, uh-huh. but I didn't want to be left out. So, um, <laughs> so she signed up and then, I kind of asked, like, what what is this, you know? And so um, the lady, Miss Elaine, she was like, well, this is where, you know, people come to learn about the Catholic Church and see if they might want to become Catholic. And so right away, I was like, well, I need to know. Uh-huh. I need to know if I'm, if I'm willing to be Catholic. I don't even know what that really means, but I need to know because I would like us to get married. And, I, you know, this is an important thing for me to, to know. Yeah. Um, to discern, really, but I wouldn't have known the, the language at that moment. Um, so I signed up, you know. And then I started to attend the weekly classes and um it was an interesting group you know there was a couple of uh kind of middle-aged people there's a couple of older people there's me you know, i was mm-hmm. 22 and my wife was uh, 22 as well and um you know I, I was interested because there was people that were super educated we had lawyers uh miss elaine that was leading the group had taught at the um at the uh, junior college there in lufkin for years and very well educated and um and then there was people that weren't you know, but they're all learning together. They're all conversing. Uh-huh. They're all talking about the faith. They welcomed questions, which is really strange. I was like, <laughs> they don't seem to be uh, intimidated by me asking a question or uh-huh. they don't even seem to be annoyed. You know, they're actually like happy to answer. Um, they want to help, you know, just to help you figure out what you're trying to learn, you know? Yeah. And I really, I just appreciated the way that uh, they kind of ran the, the class. And so by the time the course was over, I was excited. I was like, I actually want to be Catholic because mm. I'm learning so much. Like, and I think I'd grown up, like I said, my whole life I was Christian, but I didn't know anything. You know, I knew Bible stories from when I was younger, mm-hmm. but that's all. You know, it didn't guide my life in any way. There wasn't uh, a catechism, right, um, that I was aware of, you know. Uh, and so I didn't have any way to go if I had questions like, where am I going to go for answers, you know. Um, Growing up, did you have any like misconceptions about Catholics? You know, it's funny. I think I think uh, the Lord spared me from that. So my wife, of course, growing up Catholic, she she did have some of that from people, and uh, and even people that I knew, right, would have would have made comments and things about Catholics. I didn't know enough. I I knew so little. I didn't know anything about denominations. I didn't realize that there's a big difference between Catholics and Methodists or Baptists. I, uh-huh. I thought we were all Christian. I was kind of confused. Like, yeah. Um, uh, so, so it was just another brand for you. Yeah, I didn't hear yeah. anything uh, anti-anything, you know, uh-huh. technically uh, growing up. And so, um, yeah, so I joined. Of course, I went through the Easter Vigil. I joined. And then um, at that point, my wife had already been helping with the youth group for multiple years. And so um, I kind of semi-started helping as I was going through RSA because her little siblings were in there. And then the kids I taught, you know, some of them were there. And so... They were, of course, excited that I was learning and uh-huh. maybe going to be Catholic because 
in East Texas, I think it's a 1% Catholic. And so, mm. um, you know, in the school is like a big deal if one of their teachers are going to become Catholic because they didn't have very many teachers that were Catholic. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, as I was learning that year, I'd have my little Catholic Answers Bible on my desk and uh, kids would ask questions. And so I'd be like, yeah, I'm learning that too. Let's look it up. Uh-huh. Um, so it's kind of interesting uh, how that worked. So then after I joined, you know, kind of jumped in. So I went from, I didn't have much of a faith uh, participation, you know, growing up. Um, but now, you know, we we go to mass every Sunday, which I thought was awesome. As I learned at Narsay, I was like, oh, so they expect you to go to mass every Sunday. Because for us, it's like, eh, if we're tired, eh, we're not going to go. <laughs> um, or we're traveling, we're not going to go, you know. But they explained, like, anywhere you go, there's a Catholic church. You can yeah. go to mass. And I'm like, and it's the same? Like, yeah, they do the same readings. So I'm like, really you know i was like i was confused <laughs> by that and so um so i thought that was awesome you know so now we're going to mass every week and um we signed up to lecture, so we're lecturing we're helping with the youth group i wanted to help with rsa the next year so i went from like nothing to like we're doing a whole lot of things <laughs> um and so i was learning of course more and more and more getting very involved but over time i i also noticed i was doing a lot but i wasn't really like taking it in like I was learning a lot, but I wasn't mm-hmm. really, it wasn't affecting my heart a lot. You know, it was, it was still very much on the surface. So it's um, more of an intellectual level. Yeah, it was very intellectual. It was like, oh, this makes sense. I uh-huh. understand why people would be Catholic. I'm happy to, you know, to come in to uh-huh. the church because I agree with everything I'm learning. People have answers. I haven't found anything I disagree with. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time I learned too, you know, it's about the internal. It's not just about the external. And, and for me, it's like, it's not just about my mental. It's also about my heart wanting to do the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that tied in, uh, the Catholic church offers so much to draw us into the truth. Mm-hmm. And the truth is a lot deeper sometimes than, than what you see, right? And so growing up, I, I was very good at appearances. You know, I, my, uh, I was very smart. I mean, so I made good grades, right? Um, I knew how to to dress nice because I, I wanted to look nice for my teachers. I wanted to, you know, uh, not get in trouble. So I would act right uh-huh. when I was supposed to act right. Um, you know, I think the only place I was probably raw emotionally was on athletic fields, which is probably a huge draw for me uh, mm-hmm. to those venues unknowingly. But I, I've also learned really well how to like keep things in. And I, I took a lot of pride in being able to like be unemotional almost like things would happen didn't affect me uh-huh. but it really did right i just don't want to tell anyone or show it um and i think it's because i didn't know how to handle it you know i didn't know and i didn't have any i didn't have a source to go to um so i didn't have a faith life to say if i was struggling with something or if something was upsetting you know if somebody didn't have the answer for me then that was it. I mean, so why would I even ask the questions? So you didn't have anything to fall back on. Yeah, I had no, yeah. I had no real uh, support like that didn't change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of as I got into the faith, I noticed like, okay, so we have confession. It, it encourages you to come back and admit the areas that you've fallen. So you don't have to pretend, you know, you don't, you don't have to have it all together all the time. Yeah. Um, we don't have to pretend like, you know, uh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And so I'm perfect. You know, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm going to make mistakes, you know, and, and when I make mistakes, the church and its wisdom has set up an opportunity for me to get back into communion with God. Mm-hmm. It made sense to me that uh, if I fell and, and made choices to turn away from God, that I would need to do something, you know, uh, to open myself back up to him. 
it's not a way of like earning it back, but it's a way of showing like, God, I want you in my life. You know, I showed you that I didn't want you, (laughs) but let me come back and show you that I do, you know, like, let me open myself back up. And so I just, I really fell in love with the sacraments, you know, um, the fact that, uh, you know, we have the Eucharist, it was all, it was new to me, but I was, I was taking it in, you know, slowly over time. And it was probably several years after I'd become Catholic that I really started to notice, um, that I wanted it to be more than just an intellectual thing. Maybe as we started to have children, especially, you know, as I wanted to offer them um, an environment where we really raise them in the faith. It wasn't just something that we were, but it's really who we are, you know. Um, living out our faith is a thing that we do every day, and it's not just on Sundays. Um, and I didn't have a, examples of that, really, you know. I, growing up, I didn't have examples of it, but. You know, I didn't know enough people, uh, enough Catholics to really to model that after either. So we're trying to figure that out, right? And this is all still in East Texas. This is all in East Texas, yeah. So at this point, so I'd, still in that one percent of the population that's, that's Catholic, right. yeah. And so, um, so basically, I had taught for five years. Uh, so for four of those years, I'd been Catholic. Uh-huh. Um, I moved into administration, also in a public school in East Texas, um, at a larger uh, public school, high school, and so. Um, all that time I was Catholic, but in my school setting, it wasn't. And so uh, starting to reach this point where I was like, okay, so I'm wanting the faith to to uh, impact all aspects of my life. Mm. And I'm struggling, right? Because I go to work, especially in administration, you're dealing with kids with discipline issues, you're dealing with kids with you know substance abuse issues, we're having uh, to yeah. take them to our alternative campus and try to help yeah. them work through that. And it's like, we're trying to help them work through all these things, but we can't even talk to them about what they need <laughs> yeah we're trying to help them but we're we're not able to tell them who to go to for help you know i was like this is challenging I mean, we're not going to be successful you know and so i started talking to my wife and in lufkin there's one catholic school but it's it was only it's k through eight and i had always worked with high school and i was like i feel drawn to work with high schoolers it's like their last step before they enter adulthood like if you want to make a difference like that's where i feel like i'm called to work with them uh-huh and i was like we might if we're if we're gonna pray about and discern a Catholic school, we're gonna have to move, which was really hard for me to imagine. Oh yeah. At that point, I was an assistant principal, uh, and so that's kind of what I was looking for. But um, during that process, I had I got reached out to by the rector of the cathedral and Tyler, who was at that moment the president of Bishop Gorman Catholic School, and he was like, "Hey, we're about to start a principal search." Um, I met you a few months ago when I was in Lufkin. You know, he he spent a few uh, weeks in Lufkin as kind of an interim uh, between pastors, and so we had met. He's like, "We're about to start a search. If you're interested, you know, just send in an application." And I was like, "Interesting, because <laughs> this is in our diocese, right?" Um, uh huh. I I know this pastor. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I didn't know they were going to be looking for a principal. I've been sending out applications all over the place to further away places. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he sent he he told me that, and so I was like, well, yeah, I am interested. You know, I mean, I've already been sending out applications to Catholic schools. So I did send in my application. It was a very slow process, and I realized that's going to take so, so long. <laughs> and so, long story short, eventually I I did accept the job um, as principal at Bishop Gorman. Um, and that was providential because we got to move to Tyler, um, experience a move for the first time, um, experience a Catholic school. Uh, I was also able at that position, um, the rector of the cathedral after a year had, had kind of requested from Bishop Strickland if he could not 
also be the president of the school because he was he just had a lot on his plate. Uh-huh. So it enabled me to kind of inherit the principal and president duties, which gave me the experience, you know, that I that I gained there. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a great experience when we went through COVID there. So we kind of, Ooh. you know, the whole I moved yeah. into Catholic schools and then my first, uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> wow, this is intense. Um, so we kind of got to work through that and just a huge learning experience. Um, and then we had been there for a couple of years and I was starting to get this this feeling inside, similar to what I'd felt when I got the feeling that we need to move into Catholic schools. And my wife and I talked about it and it was, this time it was more of a ministry thing. You know, it was like, we used to volunteer with youth ministry and RCIA and lecturing. And now, you know, I was doing so much at the school, we weren't doing anything else. We weren't doing anything outside of the school at the church. And I was like, I think, I think I'm actually desiring to work in ministry full time. Mm. You know, I think that's what I'm feeling. So we prayed about it. And I actually, uh, I talked with Bishop Strickland. I was like, hey, I, I, this is what I'm feeling. I feel like we're, we're going to look for something in ministry. I don't know what. You know, I don't know what we're doing, but I feel like that's what we need to do. And so he was supportive of that. And so um, literally within the week, I started to look. Um, I mean, I applied in multiple places to, to see, you know, but there was a parish here in Houston at St. Ignatius that had posted like two days after I had talked to Bishop. Um, they were they were having two positions open uh, for youth and young adult ministry, directors of each. Okay. Long story short, you know, we both interviewed. They offered us positions, um, and it came down between uh, moving to Houston, moving kind of to South Texas, or moving uh, maybe possibly up to Denver. Uh, were the oh, wow. three options we were looking at, and we kind of cut the process short. We're like, look, you know, we prayed about it. Saying they just posted positions that quickly, uh-huh. and then um, they offered it to us. Like, let's not let's not get too picky, you know, like this uh-huh. is what God is wanting. So no kids yet at this point. No, no. Yeah. We did have kids. Yeah. Like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. We had, at that point we had two, two, uh, two little girls. Yeah. So how old were they? Are, three and, three and two. Oh, still. Yeah, yeah. When we moved to Houston. Not yet school probably. age. Yeah. Still, yeah. still small. So it's a good time to do a move. Yeah. So, so we had moved to Tyler uh, with one daughter uh-huh. who was, 15 months and then the week we got there we had our second daughter <laughs> so uh so yeah our second daughter was born uh, right when we got to tyler so when we moved there about uh, three and two and then um we got here we were working you know youth and young adult ministry really enjoyed it um enjoyed the the, the different flow it's different than a school um mm. You know, you get to work with the kids in a different way. You talk yeah. about things in a different way. Even from a Catholic school setting, you know, it's like, this is different, right? It's in the parish. You're more, uh, you get to talk about just this. That's all we're... Yeah. And so we had been here. Uh, we actually got pregnant within about, you know, the first several months that we were here. Uh-huh. You know, so when we first got, we got pregnant and we lost our son uh, mm-hmm. while we were there at St. Ignatius um, with a miscarriage. And so that was a really impactful experience for me and my wife uh-huh. uh, you know we had two pregnancies before where we had uh, our two daughters and then with our son we got pregnant and then um, we did lose him with the miscarriage and so that was uh the support we felt you know from father norbert was great um from the community you know a lot of support a lot of prayers um even uh, we had a funeral home that just really uh, welcomed us in to honor you know our, our son and so uh-huh when when people lose children sometimes there's a in our culture there's like a, a tendency to kind of move on and and maybe not uh, really take in what happened 
And so kind of experienced that in the sense that uh, when we found out, you know, that we, that we were losing him, um, one of the doctors that we were working with was like, well, y'all are young and healthy. You'll probably have another. And you might not have to tell your two daughters, you know, that, uh-huh. that you lost a little yeah. boy. And I was like, why would we not tell them, you know, because they have a brother, you know, they, yeah. have, they have a brother. It's not going to change. Just yeah. Um, and so we prayed through that and, and it really like the thought that, you know, he's able to pray for us. If, if he's in heaven now as a, as a, as a, uh, clearly, you know, he didn't have any sins. Right. And so we talked to father Nora about that and, and prayed about that. And so we tell our, our daughters, like you should, you know, rem- always remember you have a brother, you know, yeah. pray and talk to him and, and he can look out for you and, you yeah. know, he can pray for you too. And there's no, there's no reason to pretend, you know, that he didn't exist with us. Yeah. Because um, he's pre- a major part of your life. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that's, you know, maybe that's why we lost him here so that he could actually pray for us there. And then, and through further discernment, you know, I think a, a big part of me had always doubted, right? Um, so I was talking about the head and the heart thing, right? Yeah. So always trying to earn it. You know, and the thing that comes from athletics and other things are very competitive. I had two brothers, you know, so competing for everything throughout my whole life. Um, and so I think I was trying to be a really good Catholic, right? I was like, I want to do all these things right, you uh-huh. know, and, and prove myself worthy, you know, of God. But there's a, a deeper part that was like, but I'll never actually be that good, you know, because the mistakes I've made or things I've done or, you know, just, just obviously still going to sin. Like there's no way I can actually live up to this perfection that I mm. want. And so there's always this doubt, like, what if I do all this work? Like, what if I do all these things to try to prove myself and I, and I don't make it to heaven? Like, what if I don't? Uh-huh. And so it's like, after, after we lost uh, our son, uh, Ray, we, we lost and it's like, he's already there. And so, he's a part of me and he's a part of my wife. So there's a mm-hmm. part of us already in heaven. And it's kind of like God revealing, like you had this doubt, like you had this concern that you might not ever be worthy, uh-huh. but there's already, I already brought a part of you here, you know, so you don't have to worry about that. And it, it was really comforting and really, um, and again, it's like a powerful way to tell, tell our daughters, like, don't forget, you know, we pray for him, we go and uh, we spend time, you know, to honor him. And so, shortly after we lost him, we did get pregnant again uh, with a little girl that we now have that's 11 months old now. And, um, you know, it's, uh, if we hadn't lost Ray, we wouldn't have her. And if, you know, mm-hmm. so it's it's just kind of like seeing how God works through all the things. And it's the beauty that in our society, suffering is so avoided. Yeah. And I think that's that was a turnoff for me growing up as well about Christians, right? That I was around, I was like, you had to be happy all the time. Oh. Like, yeah, we're wonderful yeah. You know, at the church. <laughs> and I'm like, that can't be real. <laughs> you know, I mean, people can't be that happy all the time. Yeah. You know? And it's not that we're not joyful. It's not that, you know, life's not really joyful, um, but it's also not easy all the time and it's okay. You know, and I think that's yeah. what my Catholic faith has taught me. It's okay not to have it all together 24 seven. Yeah. It's okay to say like, hey, you know, I'm just not having a great day today but I'm still loved by God, right? I'm, I don't have to pretend like, no, I'm, everything's wonderful because God loves me and, and nothing can touch me. You know, I mean, things are going to happen. You yeah. know, uh, we're going to have days where we're frustrated or where we lose our son and, and we are sad, yeah. you know, we grieve that, but that we can grieve it still from a place of hope and still from a place of joy eternally, not 
not a place of, you know, well, I'm not going to let it bother me. Mm, yeah. Uh, good luck with that. You know? <laughs> I mean, uh, but you know, so, so as we're there, you know, once we became pregnant with our daughter, um, after we lost Ray, we kind of done a, a deeper discernment, um, through the process and thought potentially us both working in ministry wasn't going to work forever. Um, uh-huh. because the hours, you know, it's like, we can't both be gone multiple nights a week with little kids, you know, it's just not, it's yeah. not potentially going to work forever. And so, um, at that point, uh, a friend of mine actually sent me a job posting for president for cathedral high school as we were having these discussions. And so I was like, wow. Um, interesting. You know, and so, the school was just being planned at that point, right? Yeah. So at that point, the school wasn't open. Uh-huh. Uh, it was opening the next fall. Uh, they were in construction and they were in the planning phase, right? So they had hired um, a number of the teaching faculty had already been agreed, you know, to be hired. And um, if not all of them at that point, but they were, they were, had made the transition to a president principal model. Okay. And so they were looking for the president. And so I was like, interesting. So I, I had to pray about that too. I was like, I just, I just got out of school to do ministry. You know, I'm not sure. And so we started to pray about it. And then I looked up the school and I started to read about it. And, and I, I saw the curriculum as classical at that moment. I wasn't that familiar with classical education because uh-huh. I'd gone up through public schools. I hadn't, I hadn't even gone to Catholic schools, you know? And, um, so the classical thing was new to me, but I knew I wanted to be in Catholic education. And I also knew, um, as I read about the mission and the vision of the school is, mm-hmm. is a beautiful, you know, beautifully articulated, you know, students would go to mass every day. They would have, uh, opportunities for confession throughout the week. I read about the classical model and kind of how it opens up uh, the search for truth and, and the way that things are taught and encouraging questions and dialogue and learning how to articulate and how to write. Um, and I was like, wow, I'm, I'm actually really drawn to this. Uh-huh. Um, I had never heard of the ordinariat, so I had to, I actually had to do some research. Uh, I was like, is the ordinariate Catholic? Um, because I didn't know. And I was a convert, so I was like, I don't want to accidentally like go off. You know? Oh, yeah. I came and did the first round of interviews. And um, I left and I told my wife, I was like, I think I actually really want that job. Nice. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't think it's, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's just the, like maybe thing. Like I actually hope it works out. Yeah. And it's so, not like a, let's just see what happens type yeah. thing. It's, yeah, I want so this. Then they reached out and got some more information. And then eventually uh, I had another interview and in that interview uh, with Bishop Lois was there. And so we got to talk uh, through the interview process about the school, about the vision for the school, about mm-hmm. all of the different um people and 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 uh work that had gone into planning for the school for multiple years and kind of what the plan was for the building that was being built but then the curriculum and you know what we want for the students and i was like yes that's exactly what i want because if i'm going to work and promote a school and, and try to get people to be interested in it i want it to be a school that i think is going to put students in a position to become saints you know it's like we don't want I'm very, uh, I feel like God has always helped me to really want to be uh, authentic, you know? Um, and I think that's something I struggle with a lot. You know, growing up, authenticity was really a challenge for me because I wanted to look like everything was okay, uh-huh. look the part, you know, yeah. um, never have issues, you know? It's like, make sure that at all times, everything looks fine, mm-hmm. no matter what the truth was, you know? Um but I, I was like, I, I don't want a society where our students or our children are growing up and they're like, yeah, I'm Catholic, but I'm not going to mention it 90% of my life because it doesn't help me. Mm. You know, it's like, I'm Catholic. Yes, I go to mass on Sunday, but 
you know, I can still do everything else throughout the week that everyone else does because mm-hmm. it's not going to really impact my life. I was like, that's not what we want, you know, for our kids. We, we want yeah. them, if they know the Lord, if they know their faith, they're not going to want to leave it yeah. for Sunday. Yeah. Not know, just then, an hour a week. Yeah. And then, and then we talk about like the statistics of students that stop going to mass once they graduate high school. Mm-hmm. 80% of our youth are not going once they graduate. Yeah. It's like, well, I wonder why. You know, it's like if they're around, if they're around a society that treats the faith as if it can be minimalized, even within the church, sometimes, right? Sometimes we can we can see it minimalized. We're like, well, we don't want to we don't want to be too forceful or we don't want to be too um, adamant. But you know, we're a Catholic school, so we go to mass every day. Not every Catholic school is going to go to mass every day, but that's how this school was built. You know, and we could we could think about that, but why? That's how we were started. Why would we go away from it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, why would we take away what we know is the most important part of our faith? You know, if 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 we're a Catholic, what makes us Catholic is the Mass, right? Going yeah. to Mass, receiving Jesus, yeah. and knowing about the sacraments. Why would we focus on anything else more than that? Um, and that's not to say that everything else we do isn't important, but it is to say, hey, if we want students and children to grow up and live a life focused where God is the center, they have to see that from others, right? That, yeah. And a lot of times, like, a lot of times the family, the family may be that, you know, the family may have that there. But at some point, a student is going to have to go somewhere else and be around someone else. Yeah. The family can't, you know, you can't keep your kids right there forever. Yeah. I mean, you could try, but I don't think that's best for them. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, here, like the community of, the students go to mass together as peers every day, you know, with their faculty, with parents are able to come. They sing in the choir, they serve at the altar, they lecture. Mm-hmm. It's a part of their daily life. And it, and it's not, it's not that they don't have rough days. Right. And that's the beautiful thing is, you know, when the school year started last year, I think there was kind of like a, like a, a mask of like, wow, this is beautiful. And the mass, you know, as I hadn't been to an ordinary form mass until I started working here. So I'd only been to a few before school started. Uh-huh. And so to hear the, the choir and, and the students singing every day, I was like, man, this is beautiful. But then of course, you know, there's, after you get into the routine of things, like there's a day or two where you're just tired, you know, but we're still here. Yeah. You know, it's like, we don't have to be perfect every time we have mass or we don't have to have mass just once every so often so that we can all prepare and be like on our best, our best behavior for mass day. Uh-huh. It's like, no, God wants every day, you know, we want to give it every day. And so um, really what drew me here is I thought if, if I have young kids, where would I want them to go to school? You know, and this was the type of school I, w- I would want for them. So that's, that's really what drew me to want the position. And then, um, you know, once we got here, uh, we're seeing it unfold, you know, we've got uh freshman sophomores now so we got more students uh, going every day together and so and this is the uh, second year of the school now right yeah this is our second year so last year we just had freshmen this year we have freshmen and sophomores um it's been you know a joy to see the families that come in it's also interesting because in our society right i mean i'm the only catholic in my family and so of course there's there's times where like we're all going to be put in positions where you have to think like how to form conversations or, yeah, you know, yeah. um, you know, how do we talk about, cause we talk about the faith so much. It's like, I don't want to get on people's nerves with it either, but it's like, mm-hmm. I think it's important, you know? So, <laughs> um, did you have any difficulty with your family when you converted? 
Well, I think at the conversion, you know, I think um, there were some questions like, uh, well, what do you think about everyone else? You know, like, are you going to, basically like, are you going to look down on us? Because, are you going to reject us? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, we're not Catholic yeah. or, you know, do you think, and maybe they didn't say this, but like kind of like, do you think we're wrong or do you think there's something wrong with us because we're not, you know, or are you not going to want to come to church with us anymore? You know, I'll be honest. I was so, I was so uh, infantile in my conversion. I right? going through RC, I didn't even know. I was like, uh, I mean, I knew I was going to go to mass. Like I could probably still go to church, you know, like, uh-huh. But then as I got into it, you know, and I learned more uh, and about the Eucharist in particular, I was like, I can't, I can't go to another service and receive, um, you know, what, what is being said to be, uh, a, just, a uh, just a symbol. That's just what they symbol, call it. Right? Yeah. Because, because to be honest, the, why wouldn't I do that? It's like, it's not because I'm looking down on, on what you're doing. It's because I to to preach the truth to you that I believe Jesus is in the mass. I'm not going to come and receive what's a symbol. Like the real Jesus is available to you uh-huh. and to me in our mass. Yeah, I would love for you to come experience that. You know, and and uh, it's not about you know being better than or creating a rift. You know, it's it's more about really, if I believe this and I say I believe, right? Cause I joined the church. If I actually believe it, I need to live that out because mm-hmm. if I'm not going to live it out, then I don't actually believe it, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so that's kind of- Did any of your family resent that? I think, I think there were some hurt feelings, you know, like, uh, like, because, you know, we didn't, I didn't go back to church, you know, for instance, uh, after I became Kelly and I didn't know that going into RSA. I didn't know that I would never go back. Oh, because um, I, I didn't really understand, you know. But it's just like the more I learned, I didn't desire it, you know. And I'll be honest, um, the sermons were really good. I mean, uh-huh. I, I could have still learned a lot about history and a lot uh-huh. about scripture, but you know, that's that's uh, not what I was seeking. You know, I'm, I'm seeking a relationship with God, not just knowledge. You know, and so. Um, and I really don't intend that to be, uh, you know, uh, controversial to anyone else. I, because everyone's in their own timeline. You can't rush people. So, like, even if you know, uh, with particular people in my family, for instance, they may be at their own stage, or you know, people in general may be in their own stage, or yeah. somewhere else in their faith, or maybe they've fallen away from the Catholic Church, or maybe they're in another, uh, you know, community, but you know, God is working all the time and he's working through everything. And that's, I think that's what I've learned um, throughout my life is, you know, we can look at difficult situations we've been in and see why, you know, why would God have allowed that? Well, because without that, we wouldn't have ended up here. You know, Um, I wouldn't even be in this position here if we hadn't had, you know, difficult positions, difficult things happen to us while we were here in Houston. Yeah, We wouldn't have moved to Houston if we hadn't discerned, you know, out of a situation in Tyler, you know, it's, it's um so he's he uses every little thing uh, to put you in position and then you might think like well I'm giving up on this opportunity but then he literally pres- presents something else you didn't even know existed um and so recently I mean just last spring you know I had only prayed maybe a couple of rosaries ever um, uh-huh. I think like I mentioned awakening uh, at that awakening retreat we prayed a rosary the whole group it's the first rosary I'd ever heard mm. ever you know and so. Uh, I was sitting in a chair in my little group and uh, 
everybody across this big room started praying the rosary together and i was like what is happening <laughs> and i was like i don't what'd you think of it back then or? it was strange it was a strange experience because i didn't know what the rosary was so oh, I, didn't, I, no, I didn't know what it was you know so, no idea whatsoever yeah huh? so they're like we're gonna pray the rosary and i was like okay you know and i was like this is taking a long time you know it's like <laughs> i don't know what prayer this is but y'all are saying the same thing over and over and over um and so I didn't really have any curiosity after that. I was kind of glad it was over, you know, uh, and we moved on to whatever else in the retreat. And then I remember I told my wife this, we, cause she grew up Catholic and the, like I said, the faith was a big part of her life, but the rosary wasn't necessarily a big part of her prayer life individually. Her grandma prayed it, you know, and she, she prayed mm-hmm. with her grandma as a, as, as a young uh, child, but we prayed a rosary together and we had either just gotten married or we were engaged and we were at her parents' house for hanging out and, it was random. You know, we went to her room uh, that she had used growing up and we were going to pray the rosary. And we did it once. And it was such a strange, like, I was like, again, I like, kind of like, why are we doing this? And then, uh-huh. but I wanted to do it because I was coming into the church and uh-huh. I was like, I want to know, you know, but I never went back to it. And um, it just last spring, uh, my wife came across some of uh, Gabe Castillo's videos. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. About the rosary. And, We've uh, had him on the show, too. He's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. then my wife was like, hey, do you know, uh, you know, Gabe Castillo with these, uh, talking about praying the four rosary, like, Gabe Castillo, I was like, his son goes to our school. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know, I know. And Gabe was like, um, so I watched some of his videos, and I was like, man, I could not imagine praying four rosaries a day. You know? <laughs> and my wife was like, she told me, she's like, I'm going to try it. Uh-huh. I was like, there is no way I could do that. And then I watched her do it for like about a month. And I was like, and then she was talking about it, like, you know, what she was noticing. And I was like, so you're praying four mysteries a day. I was like, are you really? (laughs) You know, and, and I, but I was seeing difference too. Like I was seeing like the calm, the peace, like Uh the the consistent, like, you know, joy in doing it. And I was like, I'm just going to try it once try it one time and just to see if I could even do it. Like, I'm going to say today I'm going to do it and I'm going to see if it works. Uh-huh. I'm going to see if I'm able to do it. And I, I did, right? I did all four. And where I work now, I drive a little bit over an hour to and from work. And so I was like, so that's about, got a lot of prayer time, yeah. you know? And, um, and I was using it for other things like podcasts or, you know, uh-huh. a lot of good things. But I was like, I could pray a rosary to work and a rosary home. Well, that's two yeah. knocked out, you know? Um, and then, you know, got other times a day. So it worked, right? I did all four. And so I was like, I'm, I'll try it again tomorrow, you know, see how it goes. And then I would say for about three months, I was very consistent with the four every day. Uh-huh. Then school started. And so I fell off, you know, I fell off. I haven't, I, I wasn't doing all four. And maybe just last week, uh, I, I, my wife was like, well, you got, we're doing this podcast. She's like, why don't you, you should be talking to Mary and asking her, you know, to guide the conversation. And she's like, well, you know, maybe try it again, get back into it. Uh-huh. But what I've learned through this process is like, you know, the perfection. I've always sought perfection, like uh-huh. in everything. Like if I'm going to do something, I want to be perfect, you know. Um, and that's why looking back at my experience of college athletics was helpful because the first time I really had no success. Like what I really wanted didn't even come close. Yeah. Um, and, but I'm learning the mercy, right? It's like, you don't actually have to do it perfect every time, you know? Um, and by trying to pray four rosaries over the last week, I've prayed many more than I would have if I hadn't tried, you know? Mm. Um, so even though I haven't done four every day, I've probably prayed, you know, 10 times more than I would have had uh-huh. I not thought about it. 
or had she not even suggested it, right? Um, and so it, kind of this uh, understanding of Mary, when I entered the church, I heard a lot of things from outside, like, well, Protestants have issues with Mary, right? I wouldn't have considered myself Protestant because I didn't know anything about myself. <laughs> I didn't know anything about the faith and as far as to know what to neglect or what to be, you know, against. Um, but I also didn't really develop a relationship with Mary for a while, you know? Mm. Um, I mean, but really over the last year, I'm kind of understanding this um, this idea that we can really have a relationship just with her too. And it's really been, uh, I mean, even this morning, you know, this morning I, I was texting my wife and I was feeling kind of just anxious. I had a lot of things I was trying to get done in the first couple hours, you know, uh-huh. of the day. And I was feeling starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed. I was like, I just don't think I'm going to get it done. And I, I just prayed, you know, um, I just started to pray a rosary on the way to work. I was like, uh-huh. I was just feeling, and I was like, 10 minutes later, you know, I sent her a voice message. I was like, I don't know what happened, you know, but I feel fine. I was like, I feel okay now just to let you know, you know, you oh, don't have to that's stress awesome. about it anymore. And then she was like, uh, she texted back, you know, well, Mary put her mantle over you and protected you from all that, you know, the anxiety and stuff you were feeling. Mm. And, and I've heard that said a lot of times about the mantle, you know, mm. uh, the, you know, let Mary put her mantle over you or, you mm-hmm. know, uh, ask for the protection. And I didn't really understand what that meant, you know, but I mean, that happened this morning, right? And I was like, I was feeling in the moment, I was like, I actually, I'm understanding that feeling now because really the, the thought to be protected by her, it was an experience because all of a sudden I didn't feel anxious about the same things I still had to do. <laughs> yeah, my, my list hadn't changed, <laughs> yeah, you know, nothing yeah. had changed, but the outlook had changed. And so I think Mary has been a good uh, a source for me to go to as a mother to say like, Hey, I need, I need some help. You know, I need, I need some comfort. I need something, you know, because I can't do it. And, and it's been different, you know, with her. I don't feel quite so um, afraid to say that, you know, qu- quite so nervous that I just really can't do it. So right now you're in the end of the second year of the school. Mm-hmm. You're, I'm guessing the plan is to move it, you know, the kids. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So last year we started with freshmen only. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year we have freshmen and sophomores. Next year would be freshmen through juniors. And then, of course, the fourth year we'd have all four grade levels. And so as we're growing, um, you know, the grade levels will get a little bit larger as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you hire more teachers. As yeah, well. we'll hire more faculty. So uh-huh. we're, I mean, extraordinarily blessed. Uh, probably doesn't even give enough credit to the people that uh, worked and fundraised and donated to make the school possible. Um, because the building was built before, right? Um, it didn't end up being before, but we finished it in December of the first year. So the students, uh, the very first class, you know, they spent a semester in the chancery, but then they moved into the building mm-hmm. where we're now in a fully completed school uh, for four years. And as we grow into the school, we're already in the space. And so we were able to hire a full faculty for the freshmen. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have to add too much this year as we just added sophomores. Next year, we'll add a few more as we get to juniors, mm-hmm. add a little bit more as we get to seniors uh-huh. and kind of fill out the faculty. But because it was a brand new school, every faculty member was able to discern like this is your vision this is your mission uh-huh. they already had a job somewhere else right i mean they uh, it's not like they were scrambling for positions um they sought this school for the mission and the vision that we have and they all joined the faculty which has made you know a huge difference uh in the quality of care that they're able to provide because they all want the same thing yeah um, and schools, of course, I, I really do believe all schools have, you know, good things to offer. I think every school has good things to offer. Uh-huh. 
Um, and I think also every school has some things that they're not the best at. I mean, I think that's, you know, if we don't say that, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we're growing into our school, you know, what, what I'm noticing, the, the, the concern really for all of us here is that we're living in a community of people that want Jesus to be at the center, that want the faith to really not just be a part of what we do, but they want it to really encapsulate everything that we do. Um, the classical curriculum allows for that. It's just more uh, more set up to allow for all the subjects to interrelate because that's mm-hmm. the point is to, exp- I mean, a, a purely classical curriculum, let's take out Catholic, uh-huh. is to show how all things are related, right? So what exactly do you mean by classical education? Yeah, so classical education has more to do with the, to do with the pedagogy, the, the style of teaching, um, and also kind of what your focus is. And so... You see different schools, some are college prep or some are, you know, um, uh, maybe like a technical school. Mm-hmm. So a classical school is, is focused on the way things are taught and also with the curriculum. Um, so the classical model helps students to really learn that everything is interrelated. Um, if it wasn't Catholic, let's say, um, a purely classical curriculum is going to show how, you know, math relates to music and mm-hmm. how your science courses are also related. There's nothing that's on an island. Right. So I grew up in public schools. I mean, you know, when I went to science, I was in science. Yes. When I went to math, I was in math. And when yeah. I went to music, I didn't go to music, you know, because uh-huh. I wasn't involved. Uh, it wasn't a part of my course load. And so um, it's very isolated. Every course is its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, because it's the classical model, everything is related uh, and it's it's taught that way. Right. And, and um, because we're Catholic, the, the real difference there is that everything is not just related accidentally. It's related because the same creator made it, right? Uh, so we're just helping students to really see that and understand that. And so some of the ways they do that is they read classic works. So we have a Catholic culture class uh, where they, the Catholic mm-hmm. culture class kind of enca- encapsulates English and history, geography, uh-huh. and it's taught from, uh, it's kind of like a great books course where you read classic works and the, the uh-huh. students discuss them. But it's also to see like what was happening in the world during the times mm. that these books were written. So you're yeah. learning history, you're learning literature. Yeah. Um, the students not only learn how to talk about it through seminars, uh-huh. um, they learn to write about it, you know? Um, and so they're learning to process their thoughts. And and the point is to learn how to seek truth, right? And so they also learn grammar, they learn rhetoric, they learn how to, to really understand the world around them, which I think is probably more important now than ever before because people that don't know how to think will be told what to think a hundred times a day, you know? Yep. Um, So this is the truth. This is the truth. You have to think this. Yeah. And if you don't really know how to think internally and more than that, even to go to God, to seek the truth, you're going to absorb a lot of miss, a lot of falsities, right? You're going to take in as if they're true. And, and that's what we don't want for our youth. I mean, nobody wants that for their kids. Of they don't course. want their kids to grow up and, and take in ideologies or take in things. Fall for that, anything, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, if you're going to believe something, know why. Yeah. But the world does not want you to ask why, because that can be offensive. Mm. Why would you ask me that question? You know, yeah. don't you just trust me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> now, you, you said that the, here at school, mass every day. Yep. So, and then... Um, also you said choir is yeah, also so, involved in that. So we're an ordinary school, right? We're built on the ordinary patrimony. Um, if people don't know what the ordinary is, um, like I didn't, you know, originally, but it's a, it's a diocese that was created as non-geographical. 
um, kind of through uh, Pope John Paul II, through Pope Benedict XVI, and on into Pope Francis. And it's being um, what it, it was created right as a pathway into the Catholic faith uh, for for those of an Anglican background. Uh, yes. And so originally that was the majority of the people was was from the converts. Mm-hmm. Um, so priests, you know, congregations even uh, together. But now uh, the way uh, Pope Benedict XVI really articulated it is it's a treasure to be shared. So it's it's not just for converts. It's actually also to evangelize even other Catholics to give them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a way to come and, and worship still in within the Catholic faith, uh, still through Rome, right as as our uh, as our head, but at the same time in a different rite. And so the mass looks a little different. Um, but yeah, our, so our students experience mass every day, and because we're an ordinary at school, the four pillars of our school are uh, sacred worship, sacred wisdom, sacred music, and sacred art. And so, uh, sacred worship, of course, uh, we worship daily, and yes. then um, with sacred wisdom, that would encapsulate the rest of our curricular courses. You know, our mm-hmm. science courses, our mathematics courses, our theology course. Um, it would it would uh, really take up you know our Catholic culture course. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'm, I'm sure I'll miss something as I'm running down the list, but sacred music and sacred art are unique. And so I, I want to talk a little bit about those because, you know, most schools and for me in particular, I, I can say fine arts is an afterthought. Um, yeah. So when I went to school, athletics was my, you know, was my thing. That's what I really liked to do. As a freshman, you had to have a full credit of fine arts in high school. So my first semester I took art. My second semester I took speech. Done with fine arts. Uh-huh. Right? Um. And so I never experienced anything. And it was easy for me to say, well, I'm just not good at that because I only mm. did it for a semester. Yeah. And I knew I was only going to do it for a semester. So it's not like I tried yeah. <laughs> to get better. You, you just dipped your toe in it and that was it. Yeah. I just did what I had to do and got out of there. And um, so at our school, you know, students will experience uh, sacred art and sacred music. So in sacred music, they'll sing. So chorally, uh, because we sing at mass daily. Uh-huh. Um, so a portion of the students will sing in the choir loft daily. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe freshman guys, freshman girls, sophomore guys, sophomore girls, or something uh-huh. like that. Um, sometimes they they sing coed. Just depends on you know what mass or uh-huh. you know what we're doing what day. Um, but they'll sing for four years and they'll continue to develop. Right. So a student that comes in as a freshman and is like, ah, oh, singing is not my thing. That's totally fine because for most people they haven't been in a in a formal training through eighth grade. Yeah. So they're gonna come in and not be formally trained. Yeah. But the difference, I mean, we had an even song tonight, actually. So the difference between students when they get here in August to even September to October, they're making growth in singing. Kids that don't sing, right? They, they came in and said that that wasn't their thing. Um, and then I'll talk about sacred art, and then I'll talk about why it's important uh, that that's in our curriculum and why it's a, a blessing, really, for our students. So in sacred art, they're going to spend four years in art, right? They'll they'll spend time painting and drawing. They'll mm. spend time... Uh, this year they're doing ceramics, so they're working with clay. Uh, we have a kiln. We're blessed to have a kiln, so they can they can uh, bake their things and yeah. kind of create different things. We have coffee cups. Our whole faculty made uh, holy water fonts. You know, nice. so um, it's kind of it's an interesting thing. And uh, they'll make stained glass uh, as they get older into uh, oh, wow. junior and senior years. That's cool. Uh, or they'll make illuminated manuscripts. So there's all kinds of things that they're doing. And the sacred art that we're making is all found within the church, right? So our director of sacred art said basically she wanted to go into the parish, look at the altar, see all the different forms of art that are there, mm-hmm. and help the students learn to create it. And so a lot of parents, of course, naturally and rightfully would be like, why would y'all have 
fine arts be such a big part? Now, are you a fine arts school? We're not a fine arts school, right? We're a classical school or a classical Catholic school. Um, but why the arts are so important? I mean, first of all, singing, right? When we get to heaven, we don't know exactly what heaven's going to be like, but we're going to sing. Yes. We know that. So uh, it'd be okay to be better at it <laughs> uh, when we get there. And so. And not um, just be learning when you get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and then fine arts, the same thing. Like, why would you want to learn? But there's two things. And first is, I feel like God, you know, we're made in his image and likeness, but the thing that we do the most like God is when we create. So we're able to procreate. Right with our spouse, we can make uh, mm-hmm. more people, which is amazing. Uh-huh. But then also, we can make things. We can make art. We can make music. We can create mm-hmm. um, things that nobody else has seen before, and it's totally unique to me. So me and you could draw the same picture, but it's not going to look the same. Yeah. And even if it looked very close, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, that creative spirit is given to us from God, we want to cultivate it. We don't really want to just be problem solvers where all we know how to do is is dissolve problems and figure out the answer. Mm-hmm. That's not really all we want to know how to do. That's a good thing. And yeah. we teach math and science too. You know, uh-huh. Those are all goods, but the arts you know, are important. And then probably another, uh, and what I've talked about more so with families even is that our society needs a school like this. All right, so our society, our, our students grow up now, our children, they go through school, they get out of school, and even more so in the last 10 years because cell phones are like only getting more and more prevalent. Yeah. Um, as a society, right, students, uh, they graduate high school, they go out into the world, and the last thing they want to do is to be seen. They don't want to be seen. They don't want to be talked to. They don't want to be known as a person. Maybe a persona, they're okay with people uh, seeing. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we can see this, right? Uh you can today you can walk you know drive to the parking lot of any store you want to go to and park and just watch any person younger or middle-aged or old probably if they're alone they will not be without a cell phone in their hand because (laughs) they're nervous that they don't want to be looked at they don't want people to look at them they don't Uh know how to make eye contact anymore this is for people that grew up without phones right but our kids we don't we don't have cell phones at our school. So they turn them in. When they walk in the door, if they have one, 50% of our students have a phone. They turn it in at the desk. They don't uh-huh. get it back till they leave. Um, so they spend the whole day eye contact with each other, talking with each other. They eat with both hands, right? Um, they don't eat with one <laughs> hand with the phone, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the fine arts allow them uh, the opportunity to connect with their hands, to do things uh, with their body, with their vocals, and then also the vulnerability the reason people go to their phone when they're in public is because they're scared, right? They're nervous. They don't want to be seen. They don't want people to ask them questions. Yeah. Um, when I go to a college campus and I walk into the cafeteria, why am I going to pull my phone out to eat? Because it looks like I am I have something to do. It looks like I'm important. I have something I'm thinking about. Yeah. I'm <laughs> it's not because I'm scared and I'm lonely, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, that would be horrible if somebody thought that. So I've got to look busy. Uh-huh. Um, but that's because we're uncomfortable with vulnerability. We don't want people to see us in our weaknesses. And in most aspects of our life, we're not able to be. Because if you're not good enough at that thing, you don't get to do it. If you're not a good, a good at that sport, you don't play it. Mm-hmm. If you're not good at that instrument, you stop doing it. You don't even try. You don't even try. I mean, our, yeah. our culture really snuffs out hard work, which is so crazy because we, we snuff out hard work, yet we praise people that are really good at things. But there's only one way you get really good at things. I mean, it doesn't happen by accident. 
Um, and that's cool that you you know you're able to like even like you said with the music the the students can yes. work hard to get better yes. at it and, yeah. and you're encouraged right so you come in as a freshman like i'm not good at art and music well, i'm gonna have to do it for four years yeah but you're not gonna be alone and you're gonna learn that even if at the end of four years you're not the best you're still okay right yeah. so like okay as in you're still you yeah you're still important you're still valuable we still love you we still care for you even if you're still not a great singer right yeah. you're gonna learn and get better yeah. but you don't have to reach perfection mm -hmm. no. ever you don't have to and i think that was good also with your spiritual life you yeah know? keep trying yeah. that's know? right we're always just working for progress we're wanting to get closer to god and and just allow you know allow him to make us more who we are mm -hmm. and i think the comfortability when i would teach in public schools i might have a roster of 135 140 students that i'm teaching throughout mm -hmm. the day um likely in a year you know three to four students i could go home and tell my wife like these four kids like they're comfortable being uh, themselves yeah and the rest aren't and it's sad right because and that's me too i mean that that is you know that's yeah. still me sometimes right i mean we can all fall back and like i walk into a situation and I, i'm like i'm not sure if i'm good enough for this situation or how to act you know but we don't want that we want we want to form our children to be I know God made me. I have my talents. I have my strengths. I have my weaknesses. That's what I have to offer the world. How many students do you have here right now? So right now I have 29. Yeah, 29 with uh, 15 freshmen, 14 sophomores. Okay, yeah, so, and then more yeah, and more so, coming in. And yeah, so, uh, you already have enrollees for next year? Yeah, so we've, we've had our open house. Uh, we start uh -huh. applications. Uh, you know, we'll start getting those in the spring, uh, okay. officially, you know, acceptances and things like that. This school is built to house 50 per grade level. Okay. Um, so there's some schools that are built and the goal is to get as big as possible. Uh-huh. Um, that's not the goal, right? Bishop Lois wants us to have 50 per grade level. Uh, the building was built that way. <laughs> so the classrooms don't hold more than 18. Okay. So we couldn't actually probably even try to get more than 220, even okay. if we wanted to try to get bigger. Uh-huh but we don't really want to. And, and the reason for that is the 50 per grade level allows a consistent real connection from teachers to students, from yeah. administration to families. Um, at no point would we have more than 200 families if they were all single siblings, but we already have some siblings. And you know, so uh -huh. we'll probably never have 200 families. We'll have less than that, mm -hmm. um, which allows the community to grow together. Um, and, and really the reason for that is, you know, I think about uh, why wouldn't we want to just get bigger and bigger and bigger? But as you get larger and you lose the the direct contact, you sometimes lose the formation. Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking about this last year. You know, our our students, when they graduate, they will have attended mass with their peers um, as many times. I don't have the number anymore, but as many times as 14 years worth of Sundays. Wow. So if they went to Sunday mass only, it would take 14 years to go as much as they're going to go in four years at, at our school with each other. That's cool. So they're going to graduate having gone to mass with their peers. They're going to go off to college or wherever they go. Um, you know, most of them um, will go to college because that's what they're going to choose to do. I've um, uh -huh. got intelligent kids and that's they're, they're, God's going to use them through some yeah. form of education, most likely. And, um, you know, they're going to get there. And when somebody says, why do you go to mass? They're not going to say, I have no idea. Because my and, parents said so, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and I also feel really <laughs> awkward now because I'm starting to realize that I only went to mass with my family ever. And now I'm around a lot of other young people and none of them are going. Uh -huh, yeah. You know, our kids are going to be able to look at them and say, yeah, I go to mass. And it's normal. 
all of my school goes to mass consistently together as peers and you should try it too you know you should come with me instead Mm -hmm. of the other way around and and if if we're really trying you know to change the world which should be our goal right yeah if if god's working in us you know we want to we want to change the world around us our students will graduate 50 per grade level as we reach as we start to reach capacity over you know 20 years or so be three to four thousand graduates that would go through that formation here Mm. and three to four thousand adults in the world scattered out they're really formed deep in their faith as a community didn't have to be perfect learned how to bounce back from imperfections and from failures that can be really powerful for the whole world it doesn't have to just be here in houston yeah you know and if we're trying to form saints this is even when we have eighth grade classes come in I talk to them. I'm like, this is what we're doing here, right? We're not trying to sell you on our gym or, or other things. Like uh-huh. all those parts of our school are going to be important and we're going to do them. But the point, this school exists to, to allow the formation of saints and, and saints, they always arise up together. You know, um, St. Augustine didn't become St. Augustine by himself. Yeah. He was inspired by St. Ambrose, right? Mm-hmm. And, and time after time, you read about saints that, lived with friends that were also saints yeah it's not an accident yeah that's because they encourage each other they challenge each other and then they lived in a community that allowed them to pursue sainthood as an important thing all right not just like well maybe maybe i'll be a saint maybe not (laughs) if you have a if there are any parents that want to you know learn about getting their kid into you know the school how do how do they go about it yeah so the process um our website is cathedralhouston.org that's easy. Um, you can just go to the website. On there, we have all the information for admissions or, or about our curriculum, about our faculty. You can learn everything um, that you want to know. Our daily mass is open. We have daily mass 805 every day. And the kids are in there and At all the Cathedral that. of yeah. Our Lady of Walsingham. Yeah, you can uh-huh. come. You can come to mass and see it, hear it, pray it with us. Uh-huh. Um, after that, you can come walk over to the school. We'll give you a tour. So. And the, the tours, are they available every every day or... I mean, if somebody came, um, yeah, we'd make time to show them around. Uh, okay. Now, if they want to reach out and schedule it, normally we schedule them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if somebody pops in, we've had multiple that you know came to mass, and then I'll walk them around the school, or or our admissions director will walk them around the school, because mm-hmm. um, we want you know we want to show off what God's doing. You know, uh, I didn't make the school. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't even know about the school until it was almost done. Uh-huh. You know, um, but God's doing something here. You know, He's done something in a lot of people's hearts to lead them to help the school be created. He's done something in a lot of people's hearts to lead them to want to work here. I mean, the founding families, he obviously did a work in their heart to get them to join a brand new school when there's so many options, you know? Um, so it's, it's just beautiful to see as we grow, but also to see, you know, what is God doing and these students, the opportunity that they have, you know, and, and also the challenge to not take it for granted, you know, what they're doing. and the building that they're in, the people that they're around, the fact that they have all, you know, not only the curriculum uh, that's challenging them and, and they're learning, you know, uh, classical curriculum is not easy. It's very rigorous. It's not a, it's not something you can just kind of walk through or, you know, be a passerby. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reading. There's a lot of writing. There's a lot of work. You know, there's a lot of experiments and math and science. I mean, there's, you know, um, and there's no hiding. Uh, our numbers keep you from that. Uh, you yeah. can hide, you know, yeah. even at 50 per grade, when we get to our max capacity, our teachers are, are going to see you. They're mm. going to encourage you to participate because the classes are going to be small enough to do that. 
Um, That's fantastic. Yeah, and and you know, we just want that. You know, we want that for as many as we can. It's exciting what's happening here and yeah. how you know y'all are growing. And you know, we wish you the best of luck. This is this is awesome. Yeah, this it, is awesome. It is. I mean, and you know, when I pray and give thanks for for work in particular, um, you know, and I'll talk about work because that we're talking about in this moment, but. Uh, there's so many clergy even that that sacrifice to make this happen right so bishop lope's support from the bishop's level makes this possible right mm-hmm. he supported the curriculum he supports our daily mass he supports our schedule uh, father huff is a rector of the cathedral you know he uh last year stepped in and basically was a rector of the cathedral and our campus chaplain because we didn't have a chaplain uh-huh. this year bishop loves gave us a full-time chaplain so we have a full-time chaplain here um for the daily mass we have i mean our, our lady of walsingham already has monday through wednesday uh 10 a.m mass and a 12 p.m mass uh-huh. now we have an 805 monday through friday mm. monday through wednesday they also have the 10 and the 12 so the same amount of clergy are just doing five extra masses. Wow. Because Cathedral High School exists. Yeah. You no, know, but everybody here believes in what we're doing. And so they're putting in the work, they're putting in the time, they're putting in the prayer to make it work, you know? Um, and it really is beautiful to see because it's possible. You know, I think sometimes we shy away from really going for it because we're not sure. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, we're seeing it. We're witnessing it. It is possible. And I think what we're offering is, is going to be invaluable to the students that go here. And the families, you know, we're, we're creating a culture. I mean, one of our, part of our mission is to, to create Catholic culture here that will impact Catholic culture everywhere. Right. Yeah. We're creating a culture where parents are just being allowed to do what they want to do. You know, mm. Catholic yeah. parents, Catholic parents already want the best for their kids. They want their kids to know the Lord. They want their kids to practice their faith. They don't want them to get swept away by technology or by whatever is happening mm-hmm. in the culture. You know, the, the different types of things you see in the news or the different ideologies that are being kind of tossed around and, and made to seem attractive to students. We want them to know how to think about all these things so they can can make decisions based on what God tells us, not just what we're hearing in the news. Yeah, or what's, you know, in style or in right. vogue at the time. Right. And, yeah. you know, does somebody have to be Catholic to go to our school? No, we, they don't have to be Catholic. We've had some non-Catholics that have toured that have, uh, you know, they're putting mm-hmm. in applications for next year. We're excited to welcome those that, you know, even if you're not Catholic, if you agree with what we're doing, if you agree with what we're teaching, you can come here and learn. You can learn everything that we have to offer through our curriculum and to learn about the church, you know, um, at the same time. You can still participate in Mass, not to this full extent, right? But you mm-hmm. can still come every day and worship. Um, and so it's really, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a blessing to be here and see all the different people that are just putting in their work. And what's the, what's the website again? It's cathedralhouston.org. Cathedral yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for, yeah. you know, um, allowing us to come in and, you know, having us tour your facility. It's awesome. I mean, Herb and I were just talking about it while we were walking around. Like, this is great. This is fantastic. And, yeah. and you know, you could see the kids with smiles and everything. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Nice place. Yeah. We wish you all the best of luck. God bless you. Thank you.